Welcome to Ratchet Book Club, where we read hood classics and good classics. I'm Derek. 916-633-1537. Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com. Ratchet Book Club on Twitter. Ratchet Book Club on Facebook. Welcome to Ratchet Book Club, where we read hood classics and good classics. I'm Derek. 916-633-1537. Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com. Ratchet Book Club on Twitter. Ratchet Book Club on Facebook. Sometimes you just need to wash your mouth out. Not with soap, per se. That's just, I've not never seen anybody get their mouth washed out with soap. I feel like that would just be horrible because you don't know what's in soap except for lye. I know lye is in soap and I've seen what happens when lye goes into my hair. So why would I want that to hit somebody's tongue? But sometimes you need like a drink, some juice or some water or something to wash something away. The bad taste of something to get it out of your mouth, you know, and. Um, after the book that I've just finished reading literally yesterday, I need something. Um, it's not just going to be a, a palate cleanser. It's not going to be an ambiance cracker. It's not going to be a one piece story. It's going to be stuff that I know that I love and that I will enjoy reading so I can get back into the flow of reading every day again, because that book took me way too long to get done. So with that said, there likely won't be a Halloween book. I might read a Goosebumps. But I am going to be reading books that I love until I feel like I'm back in the habit of reading every day again. And I'm telling you right now, I hope I don't run into another book as bad as that. I hope. And I really loved that book until I read it as an adult. And then I found out that it was vapid and stupid. And that made me vapid and stupid to be reading it like that. I don't know if that's how it works. But I know that I saw some stuff when I read it as an adult that I totally didn't see when I was a kid. That was just out of this world. But that's neither here nor there. As you can hear, I haven't cussed yet. And as you can hear from the intro, this is a clean one. So that means it must be a children's book. And it is. And it's one of my favorite children's books of all time. Sideways Storks from Wayside School and the entire series just makes me happy. Lewis Sacker makes me happy. Uh, He has another book that I'll read somewhere down the line. A few of them that I might just read all his books. He makes me happy. And I need to be happy right now. And you need to be happy. So with no further ado, Sideways Stories from Wayside School by Lewis Sacker. Chapter 1. Mrs. Gorf. Miss Gorf had a long tongue and pointed ears. She was the meanest teacher in Wayside School. She taught the class on the 30th story. Oh yeah, by the way, introduction. This book contains 30 stories about the children and teachers of Wayside School. But before we get to them, there's something you ought to know so you don't get confused. Wayside School was accidentally built sideways. It was supposed to be only one story high with 30 classrooms all in a row. Instead, it's 30 stories high with one classroom on each story. The builder said he was very sorry. The children of Wayside like having a sideways school. They have an extra large playground. The children and teachers described in this book all go to class on the top floor. So there are 30 stories from the 30th story of Wayside School. It's been said that these stories are strange and silly. That's probably true. However, when I told stories about you to the children of Wayside, they thought you were strange and silly. It's probably also true. Miss Gorf had a long tongue and pointed ears. She was the meanest teacher in Wayside School. She taught the class on the 30th story. If you children are bad, she warned, or if you answer a problem wrong, I'll wiggle my ears, stick out your tongue, and turn you into apples. Miss Gorf didn't like children, but she loved apples. 
Joe couldn't add. He couldn't even count. But he knew that if he answered the problem wrong, he'd be turned into an apple. So he copied from John. He didn't like to cheat, but Miss Gorfin never taught him to add. One day, Miss Gorf caught Joe copying John's paper. She wiggled her ears, first her right one, then her left, and stuck out her tongue and turned Joe into an apple. Then she turned John into an apple for letting Joe cheat. Hey, that isn't fair, said Todd. John was only trying to help a friend. Miss Gorf wiggled her ears, first her right one, then her left, stuck out her tongue and turned Todd into an apple. Does anyone else have an opinion? She asked. No one said a word. Miss Gorf laughed and placed the three apples on her desk. Stephen started to cry. He couldn't help it. He was scared. I do not allow crying in the classroom, said Miss Gorf. She wiggled her ears, first her right one, then her left, stuck out her tongue and turned Stephen into an apple. For the rest of the day, the children were absolutely quiet. And when they went home, they were too scared even to talk to their parents. But Joe, John, Todd, and Stephen couldn't go home. Miss Gorf just left them on her desk. They were able to talk to each other, but they didn't have much to say. Their parents were very worried. They didn't know where their children were. Nobody seemed to know. The next day, Kathy was late for school. As soon as she walked in, Miss Gore turned her into an apple. Paul sneezed during class. He was turned into an apple. Nancy said, God bless you, when Paul sneezed. <laughs> Miss Gorf wiggled her ears. First her right one, then her left, stuck out her tongue and turned Nancy into an apple. Terrence fell out of his chair. He was turned into an apple. Mauricia tried to run away. She was halfway to the door as Miss Gorf's right ear began to wiggle. When she reached the door, Miss Gorf's left ear wiggled. Mauricia opened the door and had one foot outside when Miss Gorf stuck out her tongue. Mauricia became an apple. Miss Gorf picked up the apple from the floor and put it on the desk with the others. Then... A funny thing happened. Miss Gorf turned around and fell over a piece of chalk. The three Eric's laughed. They were turning to apples. Miss Gorf had a dozen apples on her desk. Joe, John, Todd, Stephen, Kathy, Paul, Nancy, Terrence, Mauricia, and the three Eric's. Eric Fry, Eric Bacon, and Eric Ovens. Lewis, the yard teacher, walked into the classroom. He had missed the children to recess. He had heard that Miss Gorf was a mean teacher. So he came up to investigate. He saw the 12 apples on Mrs. Gorf's desk. I must be wrong, he thought. She must be a good teacher if so many children bring her apples. He walked back down to the playground. The next day, a dozen more children were turning to apples. Lewis, the yard teacher, came back into the room. He saw 24 apples on Miss Gorf's desk. There were only three children left in the class. She must be the best teacher in the world, he thought. By the end of the week, all of the children were apples. Miss Gorf was very happy. Now I can go home, she said. I don't have to teach anymore. I won't have to walk up 30 flights of stairs ever again. You're not going anywhere, shouted Todd. He jumped off the desk and bopped Miss Gorf on the nose. The rest of the apples followed. Miss Gorf fell on the floor. The apples jumped all over her. Stop, she shouted, or I'll turn you into applesauce. But the apples didn't stop, and Miss Gorf couldn't do anything about it. Turn us back into children, Todd demanded. Miss Gorf had no choice. She stuck out her tongue, wiggled her ears, this time her left one first, then her right, and turned the apples back into children. All right, said Mauricia. Let's go get Lewis. He'll know what to do. No, screamed Miss Gorf. I'll turn you back into apples. She wiggled her ears, first her right one, then her left, and stuck out her tongue. But Jenny held up a mirror, and Miss Gorf, 
turned herself into an apple. The children didn't know what to do. They didn't have a teacher. Even though Miss Gorf was mean, they didn't think it was right to leave her as an apple. But none of them knew how to wiggle their ears. Lewis, the yard teacher, walked in. Where's Miss Gorf? he asked. No one said a word. Boy, am I hungry, said Lewis. I don't think Miss Gorf would mind if I ate this apple. After all, she always has so many. He picked up the apple, which was really Miss Gorf, shined it up on his shirt, and ate it. Chapter 2 Miss Jules. Miss Jules had a terribly nice face. She stood at the bottom of Wayside School and looked up. She was supposed to teach the class on the 30th story. The children on the 30th story were scared. They had never told anyone what had happened to Miss Gorf. They hadn't had a teacher for three days. They were afraid of what their new teacher would be like. They had heard she'd be a terribly nice teacher. They had never had a nice teacher. They were terribly afraid of nice teachers. Miss Jules walked up the winding, creaking staircase to the 30th story. She was also afraid. She was afraid of the children. She had heard they'd be horribly cute children. She had never taught cute children. She was horribly afraid of cute children. She opened the door to the classroom. She was terribly nice. The children could tell just by looking at her. Miss Jules looked at the children. They were horribly cute. In fact, they were much too cute to be children. I don't believe it, said Miss Jules. It's a room full of monkeys. The children looked at each other. They didn't see any monkeys. This is ridiculous, said Miss Jules. Just ridiculous. I walked all the way up 30 flights of stairs for nothing but a class of monkeys. What do they think I am? I'm a teacher, not a zookeeper. The children looked at each other. They didn't know what to say. Todd scratched his head. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, said Miss Jules. Please don't get me wrong. I have nothing against monkeys. It's just, it's just that I was expecting children. I like monkeys. I really do. I mean, I'm sure we can play all types of monkey games. What are you talking about? Asked Todd. Miss Jules nearly fell off her chair. Well, what do you know? A talking monkey. Tomorrow, I'll bring you a banana. My name is Todd, said Todd. The children were flabbergasted. They all raised their hands. I'm sorry, said Miss Jules, but I don't have enough bananas for all of you. I didn't expect this. Next week, I'll bring in a whole bushel. I don't want a banana, said Calvin. I'm not a monkey. Would you like a peanut? Asked Miss Jules. I think I might have a bag of peanuts in my purse. Wait a second. Yes, here it is. Thanks, said Calvin. Calvin liked peanuts. Allison stood up. I'm not a monkey, she said. I'm a girl. My name is Allison, and so is everyone else. Miss Jules was shocked. Do you mean to tell me that every monkey in here is named Allison? No, said Jenny. She means we're all children. My name is Jenny. No, said Miss Jules. You're much too cute to be children. Jason raised his hand. Yes, said Miss Jules. The chimpanzee in the red shirt. My name is Jason, said Jason, and I'm not a chimpanzee. Well, you're too small to be a gorilla, said Miss Jules. I'm a boy, said Jason. You're not a monkey? asked Miss Jules. No, said Jason. And the rest of the class, they're not monkeys either? asked Miss Jules. No, said Allison. That's what we've been trying to tell you. Are you sure? asked Miss Jules. We'd know if we were monkeys, wouldn't we? asked Calvin. I don't know, said Miss Jules. Do monkeys know that they're monkeys? I don't know, said Allison. I'm not a monkey. 
No, I suppose you're not, said Miss Jules. Okay, in that case, we have a lot of work to do. Reading, writing, subtraction, addition, and spelling. Everyone take out a piece of paper. We'll have a test now. Jason tapped Todd on the shoulder. He said, do you want to know something? I liked it better when she thought we were monkeys. I know, said Todd. I guess now it means she won't bring me a banana. There'll be no talking in class, said Miss Jules. She wrote Todd's name on the blackboard under the word discipline. Chapter 3. Joe. Joe had curly hair, but he didn't know how much hair he had. He couldn't count that high. In fact, he couldn't count at all. When all the other children went to recess, Miss Jules told Joe to stay inside. Joe, she said, how much hair do you have? Joe shrugged his shoulders. A lot, he answered. But how much, Joe? asked Miss Jules. Enough to cover my head, Joe answered. Joe, you're going to have to learn to count, said Miss Jules. But Miss Jules already know how to count, said Joe. Let me go to recess. First, count to ten, said Miss Jules. Joe counted to ten. Six, eight, twelve, one, five, two, seven, eleven, three, ten. No, Joe, that's wrong, said Miss Jules. No, it isn't, said Joe. I counted until I got to ten. But you were wrong, said Miss Jules. I'll prove it to you. She put five pencils on his desk. How many pencils do we have here, Joe? Joe counted the pencils. Four, six, one, nine, five. There are five pencils, Miss Jules. That's wrong, said Miss Jules. How many pencils are there, Joe asked. Five, said Miss Jules. That's what I said, said Joe. Can I go to recess now? No, said Miss Jules. You got the right answer, but you counted the wrong way. You were just lucky. She set eight potatoes on his desk. How'd she get potatoes? How many potatoes, Joe? Joe counted the potatoes. Seven, five, three, one, two, four, six, eight. There are eight potatoes, Miss Jules. No, there are eight, said Miss Jules. But that's what I said, said Joe. May I go to recess now? No, you got the right answer, but you count the wrong way again. She put three books on his desk. Count the books, Joe. Joe counted the books. A thousand, a million, three. Three, Miss Jules. Correct, said Miss Jules. May I go to recess now? No, said Miss Jules. May I have a potato? asked Joe. No, listen to me. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, said Miss Jules. Now you say it. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, said Joe. Very good, said Miss Jules. She put six erasers on his desk. Now count the erasers, Joe, just the way I showed you. Joe counted the erasers. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. There are ten, Miss Jules. No, said Miss Jules. Didn't I count right? asked Joe. Yes, you, you counted right, but you got the wrong answer, said Miss Jules. This doesn't make any sense, said Joe. When I count the wrong way, I get the right answer. And when I count right, I get the wrong answer. Miss Jules hit her head against the wall five times. How many times did I hit my head against the wall, she asked. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 
You hit your head against the wall ten times, said Joe. No, said Miss Jules. Four, six, one, nine, five. You hit your head five times, said Joe. Miss Jules shook her head no and said, yes, that's right. The bell rang and all the other children came back from recess. The fresh air made them very excited and they were laughing and shouting. Oh, darn, said Joe. Now I miss recess. Hey, Joe, where were you? asked John. You missed a great game of kickball. I kicked a home run, said Todd. What was wrong with you, Joe? asked Joy. Nothing, said Joe. Miss Jules was just trying to teach me how to count. Joy laughed. You mean you don't know how to count? Counting is easy, said Mauricia. Now, now, said Miss Jules, what's easy for you may not be easy for Joe, and what's easy for Joe may not be easy for you. Nothing's easy for Joe, said Mauricia. He's stupid. I can beat you up, said Joe. Try it, said Mauricia. That'll be enough of that, said Miss Jules. She wrote Mauricia's name on the blackboard under the word discipline. Joe put his head on his desk between the eight potatoes and the six erasers. Don't feel bad, Joe, said Miss Jules. I just don't get it, said Joe. I'll never learn how to count. Sure you will, Joe, said Miss Jules. One day it'll just come to you. You'll wake up one morning and you'll suddenly be able to count. That's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. Literally, like, she's like, one day, you know, I don't have to teach you. One day you're just going to wake up and you're going to get it. Joe asked, if all I have to do is wake up, then what am I coming to school for? Good question, Joe. School just speeds things up, said Miss Jules. Without school, it might take another 70 years before you wake up and you're able to count. By that time, I may have no hair left on top of my head to count, said Joe. Exactly, said Miss Jules. That's why you go to school. When Joe woke up the next day, he knew how to count. He had 55,006 hairs on his head. They were all curly. Chapter 4. Sherry. Sherry had long eyelashes. She weighed only 49 pounds. She always wore a big red and blue overcoat with a hood. The overcoat weighed 35 pounds. The red part weighed 15 pounds. The blue part weighed 15 pounds. And the hood weighed 5 pounds. Her eyelashes weighed a pound and a half. She sat next to the window in Miss Jewel's class. She spent a lot of time just staring out the window. Miss Jules didn't mind. Miss Jules said a lot of people learn best when they stare out of a window. Sherry often fell asleep in class. Miss Jules didn't mind that either. She said that a lot of people do their best learning when they're asleep. Sherry spent all her time either looking out the window or sleeping. Miss Jules thought she was the best student in the class. One afternoon, it was very hot. All of the windows were open, yet Sherry still wore her red and blue overcoat. The heat made her very tired. Miss Jules was teaching arithmetic. Sherry pulled the hood up over her face, buried herself in the coat, and fell asleep. Miss Jules, said Kathy, Sherry's asleep. That's good, said Miss Jules. She must be learning something. Sherry began to snore. Miss Jules continued with the lesson. Miss Jules, Sherry is snoring, said Kathy. Yes, I can hear her, said Miss Jules. She must be learning an awful lot today. I wish the rest of you could be like her. Sherry began to toss and turn. She flopped over on top of her desk, then rolled over on top of Kathy's desk. Then she rolled back the other way. 
Kathy screamed. Sherry rolled out the window. She was still sound asleep. As you know, Miss Jewel's class is on the 30th story of Wayside School, so Sherry had a long way to go. After she had fallen 10 stories, Sherry woke up. She looked around. She was confused. She wasn't in Miss Jewel's class and she wasn't at home in bed. She couldn't figure out where she was. She yawned, pulled the hood back over her eyes, and went back to sleep. By that time, she had fallen another 10 stories. Wayside School had an exceptionally large playground. Lewis, the yard teacher, was way over on the other side of it when he happened to see Sherry fall out the window. He ducked under the volleyball net, hurtled past the kickball field, hopped over to hopscotch court, climbed through the monkey bar, sped across the grass and caught Sherry just before she hit the ground. The people in Miss Jewel's class cheered. Sherry woke up in Lewis's arms. Darn it, Lewis, she said. What'd you go and wake me up for? I'm sorry, Sherry, said Lewis. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Sherry repeated. Is that all you can say? I was having a wonderful dream until you woke me up. You're always bothering me, Lewis. I can't stand it. She laughed and hugged him around the neck. Lewis carried her back up the 30 flights of stairs to Miss Jewel's room. That evening, when Sherry went to bed, she was unable to fall asleep. She just wasn't tired. Chapter 5. Todd All of the children in Miss Jewel's class, except Todd, were talking and carrying on. Todd was thinking. Todd always thought before he spoke. When he got an idea, his eyes lit up. Todd finished thinking and began to speak. Before he said two words, Miss Jewel's called him. Todd, she said, you know better than the talking class. You must learn to work quietly like the other children. She wrote his name on the blackboard under the word discipline. Todd looked around in amazement. All the other children, who had been talking and screaming and fighting only seconds earlier, were quietly working on their notebooks. Todd scratched his head. A child was given three chances in Miss Jewel's class. The first time he did something wrong, Miss Jewel's wrote their name on the blackboard under the word discipline. The second time they did something wrong, she put a check next to their name. And the third time they did something wrong, she circled their name. Todd reached into his desk and pulled out his workbook. He had only just started on it when he felt someone tap him on the shoulder. It was Joy. What page are you on? Joy asked. Page four, Todd whispered. I'm on page 11, said Joy. Todd didn't say anything. He didn't want to get in trouble. He just went back to work. Five minutes later, Joy tapped him again. Todd ignored her. So Joy poked him in the back with her pencil. Todd pretended he didn't notice. Joy got up from her seat and sharpened her pencil. She came back and poked it in Todd's back. What page are you on? She asked. Page five, Todd answered. Boy, are you dumb. I'm on page 29, said Joy. It isn't a race, Todd whispered. Five minutes later, Joy pulled Todd's hair and didn't let go until he turned around. What page are you on? She demanded. Page six. Todd answered as quietly as he could. I'm on page 200, Joy shouted. Todd was very angry. Will you please let me do my work and stop bothering me? Miss Jules heard him. Todd, what did I say about talking in class? Todd scratched his head. Miss Jules put a check next to Todd's name on the blackboard under the word discipline. 
Todd really tried to be good. He knew if he talked one more time, Miss Jules would circle his name. Then he had to go home early at 12 o'clock on the kindergarten bus, just as he had the day before and the day before that. In fact, there hadn't been a day since Miss Jules took over the class where she didn't send Todd home early. She said she did it for his own good. The other children went home at 2 o'clock. Todd wasn't really bad. He just always got caught. He really wanted to stay past 12 o'clock. He wanted to find out what the class did from 12 to 2. But it didn't look as though this was going to be his day. It was only 10.30, and he already had two strikes against him. He sealed his lips and went back to work. There was a knock on the door. Miss Jules opened it. Two men stepped in wearing masks and holding guns. Give us all your money, they demanded. All I have is a nickel, said Miss Jules. I have a dime, said Mauricia. I have 13 cents, said Leslie. I have four cents, said Damien. What kind of a bank is this, asked one of the robbers. It's not a bank, it's a school, said Todd. Can't you read? No, said the robbers. Neither can I, said Todd. Do you mean we walked all the way up 30 flights of stairs for nothing, asked the robbers. Don't you have anything valuable? Todd's eyes lit up. We sure do, he said. We have knowledge. He grabbed Joy's workbook and gave it to the robbers. Knowledge is much more valuable than money. Thanks, kid, said one of the robbers. Maybe I'll give up being a criminal and become a scientist, said the other. They left the room without hurting anybody. Now I don't have a workbook, complained Joy. Miss Jules gave her a new one. Joy had to start all the way back at the beginning. Hey, Joy, what page are you on? asked Todd. Page one, Joy sighed. I'm on page eight, laughed Todd triumphantly. Miss Jules heard him. She circled his name. Todd had three strikes against him. At 12 o'clock, he left the room to go home early on the kindergarten bus. But this time when he left, he was like a star baseball player leaving the field. All the children stood up, clapped their hands and whistled. Todd scratched his head. Chapter six, BB. BB was a girl with short brown hair, a little BB nose, totally tiny toes and big brown eyes. Her full name was BB Gun. She was the fastest draw in Miss Jules' class. She could draw a cat in less than 45 seconds, a dog in less than 30, and a flower in less than 8 seconds. But of course, BB never drew just one dog, or one cat, or one flower. Art was from 1230 to 1.30. Why, in that time, she could draw 50 cats, 100 flowers, 20 dogs, and several eggs or watermelons. It took her about the same amount of time to draw a watermelon as an egg. Calvin sat next to BB. He didn't think he was very good at art. Why, it took him the whole period just to draw one airplane. So instead, he just helped BB. He was BB's assistant. As soon as BB would finish one masterpiece, Calvin would take it from her and set down a clean sheet of paper. Whenever her crayon ran low, Calvin was ready with a new crayon. That way, BB didn't have to waste any time. And in return, BB would draw five or six airplanes for Calvin. It was 12.30, time for art. BB was ready. On her desk was a sheet of yellow construction paper. In her hand was a green crayon. Calvin was ready. He held a stack of paper and a box of crayons. Ready, BB, said Calvin. Ready, Calvin, said BB. Okay, said Miss Jules. Time for art. She had hardly finished her sentence when BB had already drawn a picture of a leaf. Calvin took it from her and took another piece of paper down. Red, called BB. 
Calvin handed Bibi a red crayon. Blue called Bibi. He gave her a blue crayon. They were quite a pair. Their teamwork was remarkable. Bibi drew pictures as fast as Calvin could pick up the old paper and set down the new. A fish, an apple, three cherries. Bing, bing, bing. At 1.30, Miss Jules announced, Okay, class, art is over. Bibi dropped her crayon and fell over on her desk. Calvin sighed and leaned back in his chair. He could hardly move. They had broken their old record. Bibi had drawn 378 pictures. They lay in a pile on Calvin's desk. Miss Jules walked by. Calvin, did you draw all these pictures? Calvin laughed. No, I can't draw. Bibi drew them all. Well, then what did you draw? Asked Miss Jules. I, d I didn't draw anything, said Calvin. Why not? Don't you like art? Asked Miss Jules. I love art, said Calvin. That's why I didn't draw anything. Miss Jules didn't understand. It would have taken me the whole period just to draw one picture, said Calvin. And Bibi would have only been able to draw a hundred pictures. But with the two of us working together, she was able to draw 378 pictures. That's a lot more art. Bibi and Calvin shook hands. No, said Miss Jules. That isn't how you measure art. It isn't how many pictures you have, but how good the pictures are. Why, a person could spend his whole life just drawing one picture of a cat. In that time, I'm sure Bibi could draw a million cats. Two million, said Bibi. Miss Jules continued, but if that picture is better than each of Bibi's two million, then that person has produced more art than Bibi. I don't I don't think Miss Jules is a good teacher. Like so far she's uh completely decimated. Bibi's confidence in herself. She keeps sending Todd home from school at like noon. That's like bullying. Uh, I know she hears everybody else. I mean, I know we're laughing at it, but I know she hears everybody else. Um, she didn't bring the bananas that she promised. She didn't even give Todd a banana. She just wrote him up. He probably went home the very first day of school before he even knew the rules. That's messed up. Bibi looked as if she was going to cry. She picked up all the pictures from Calvin's desk and threw them in the garbage. Then she ran from the room. I thought her pictures were good, said Calvin. He reached into the garbage pail and took out a crumpled up picture of an airplane. Bibi walked outside into the playground. Lewis, the yard teacher, spotted her. Where are you going, he asked. I'm going home to draw a picture of a cat, said Bibi. Will you bring it to school and show it to me tomorrow, Lewis asked. Tomorrow, laughed Bibi. By tomorrow, I doubt I'll even be finished with one whisker. Chapter 7. Calvin. Calvin had a big round face. Calvin, said Miss Jules, I want you to take this note to Miss Zarves for me. Miss Zarves? asked Calvin. Yes, Miss Zarves, said Miss Jules. You know where she is, don't you? Yes, said Calvin. She's on the 19th story. That's right, Calvin, said Miss Jules. Take it to her. Calvin didn't move. Well, what are you waiting for? Asked Miss Jules. She's on the 19th story, said Calvin. Yes, we've already established that fact, said Miss Jules. The 19th story, said Calvin. Now, Calvin, said Miss Jules, unless you'd rather go home on the kindergarten bus. Yes, ma'am, said Calvin. Slowly, he walked out the door. Ha, 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 laughed Terrence. Take it to the 19th story. Give it to Miss Zars, hooted Myron.
Have fun on the 19th story, called Jason. Calvin stood outside the door to the classroom. He didn't know where to go. As you know, when the builder built Wayside School, he accidentally built it sideways. But he also forgot to build the 19th story. He built the 18th and the 20th, but no 19th. He said it was very sorry. There was also no Miss Zars. Miss Zars taught the class on the 19th story. Since there was no 19th story, there was no Miss Zars. And besides that, as if Calvin didn't have enough problems, there was no note. Miss Jules had never given Calvin the note. Boy, this is just great, thought Calvin. Just great. I'm supposed to take a note that I don't have to a teacher who doesn't exist and who teaches on a story that was never built. He didn't know what to do. He walked down to the 18th story, then back up to the 20th, then back down to the 18th, and then back up again to the 20th. There was no 19th story. There never was a 19th story. And there never will be a 19th story. Calvin walked down to the administration office. He decided to put the note in Ms. Zar's mailbox. But there wasn't one of those either. That didn't bother Calvin too much because he didn't have a note. He looked out the window and saw Lewis, the yard teacher, shooting baskets. Lewis didn't know what to do, he thought. Calvin went outside. Hey, Lewis, Calvin called. Hi, Calvin, said Lewis. He tossed him the basketball. Calvin drove it up and took a shot. He missed. Lewis tipped it in. Do you want to play a game? Lewis asked. I, I don't have time, said Calvin. I have to deliver a note to Miss Zars up on the 19th story. Then what are you doing all the way down here? Lewis asked. There's no 19th story, said Calvin. Then where's Miss Zars? asked Lewis. There's no Miss Zars, said Calvin. What are you going to do with the note? asked Lewis. There's no note, said Calvin. I understand, said Lewis. That's good, said Calvin, because I sure don't. It's all very simple, said Lewis. You're not supposed to take no notes to no teachers. You already haven't done it. Calvin still didn't understand. I'll just have to tell Miss Jules I couldn't deliver the note, he said. That's good, said Lewis. The truth is always best. Besides, I don't think I understood what I said either. Calvin walked back up the 30 flights of stairs to Miss Jules' class. Thank you very much, Calvin, said Miss Jules. Calvin said, but I... Miss Jules interrupted him. That was a very important note, and I'm glad I was able to count on you. Yes, but you see, said Calvin. You delivered the note to Miss Zars on the 19th story, asked Jason. How'd you do it? What do you mean, how did he do it, asked Miss Jules. He gave Miss Zars the note. Some people, Jason, are responsible. But you see, Miss Jules, said Calvin. The note was very important, said Miss Jules. I told Miss Zars not to meet me for lunch. Don't worry, said Calvin. She won't. Good, said Miss Jules. I have a coffee can full of Tootsie Roll Pops on my desk. You can help yourself to one for being such a good messenger. Thanks, said Calvin. But really, it was nothing. Chapter 8 Myron Myron had big ears. He was elected class president. The children of Miss Jules' class expected him to be a good president. Other presidents were good speakers. Myron was even better. He was a good listener. But he had a problem. He didn't know what class president was supposed to do. So he asked, What am I supposed to do? 
It's a difficult job, said Miss Jules, but you can do it. You have to turn on the lights every morning and turn them off at the end of the day. What? asked Myron. As a class president, you must learn to listen, said Miss Jules. I'll repeat myself only one more time. You must turn on the lights every morning. I heard you the first time, said Myron. It just doesn't sound like much of a job. It certainly is, said Miss Jules. Without light, I can't teach and the children can't learn. Only you can give us that light. I think it's a very important job. I guess so, said Myron. He wasn't convinced. Here, let me show you how to work a light switch, said Miss Jules. I already know how, said Myron. I've been turning lights on and off all my life. Very good, said Miss Jules. You'll make a fine president. Myron wanted to be the best president ever, but it was such an easy job, he thought, that anyone could do it. When school let out that day, Myron stayed behind. He turned out the lights by flicking the switch down. Excellent, said Miss Jules. On his way home, Myron heard a horrible noise. First there was a loud screeching, then a sharp squeal, a roaring engine, and then the very faint sound of a girl crying. Myron ran over to see what happened. Dana was bent over in the middle of the road. What's the matter? asked Myron. My dog, Pugsy, was hit by a car, Dana cried. Who did it? asked Myron. I, I don't know, Dana sobbed. They sped away. Well, that's not important, said Myron. We got to try and save Pugsy. Pugsy lay unconscious in the street. Myron carefully picked her up. He carried her two miles to the vet. Dana cried at his side. Don't worry, Dana, said Myron. She'll be all right. But he really wasn't so sure. He gave Pugsy to the vet, walked Dana home, and then walked home himself. Dana was so upset that she forgot to thank him. Myron didn't mind. He thought that was what being class president was all about. The next morning, before he went to school, Myron went to Dana's house. Pugsy was there. She seemed all right. Dana petted her. Pugsy licked her face. See, Myron, she's all right, said Dana. The vet said you brought her in just in time. Hi, Pugsy, said Myron. He petted her. Pugsy bit his hand. I guess she doesn't know you, said Dana. She was unconscious yesterday when you saved her life. Dana's mother put some medicine and a band-aid on Myron's hand. Then she drove the children to school. They were late. They ran up the stairs in Miss Jewel's class. The room was completely dark. It's about time you got here, Myron, said Miss Jules. We have no lights. Why didn't somebody else just turn them on, asked Myron. Because you're class president, said Miss Jules. Show Stephen how to work the lights. From now on, he'll be class president. Myron showed Stephen how to turn the lights. He flicked the switch up. At the end of the day, Myron showed Stephen how to turn the lights off. He flicked the switch down. After a week, Stephen finally caught on. He made a good president. The lights were on every morning. Myron, who was president for only a day, was the best president in the history of Wayside School. It was just that no one knew it. Chapter 9. Mauricia. Mauricia liked ice cream. She was sweet and pretty and could beat up any boy in Miss Jewel's class. Everybody liked Mauricia. Except Kathy, but she didn't like anybody. Mauricia only liked ice cream. Every day, Mauricia brought an ice cream cone to school and kept it in her desk until lunchtime. At first, she brought chocolate ice cream every day, but she soon tired of chocolate ice cream. So she started bringing vanilla. 
but she got tired of vanilla too. Then she got tired of strawberry, fudge ripple, butter pecan, pistachio, and burgundy cherry in that order. And then, a terrible thing happened. Mauricia got tired of ice cream. By that time, her desk was a mess, and everything in it was sticky. Everybody liked Mauricia, but Mauricia didn't like anything. Miss Jules hated to see Mauricia unhappy. I don't understand it, Miss Jules, cried Mauricia. There just aren't any good flavors anymore. So Miss Jules worked all night. The next day, she brought in a new flavor of ice cream for Mauricia. It was Mauricia-flavored ice cream. Everyone will like it, thought Miss Jules, because everyone likes Mauricia. Here you are, Mauricia, said Miss Jules. Mauricia-flavored ice cream. Everybody gathered around as Mauricia tasted it. They hoped she'd like it. Mauricia took a lick. Well, said Miss Jules. Mauricia took another lick. Well, asked the class. This ice cream has no taste, said Mauricia. It doesn't taste bad, but it doesn't taste good. It doesn't taste like anything at all. Miss Jules was heartbroken. Here, let me try it, said Todd. He tasted it. You're crazy, Mauricia, he said. This is the best tasting ice cream I've ever eaten. Try some, Didi. Mmm, it's delicious. It's so sweet and creamy. She passed it around the room. Oh, it is so good, said Leslie. I think it tastes terrible, said Kathy. I don't understand it, said Mauricia. I don't taste a thing. Miss Jewel slapped herself in the face. Oh, I've made a big mistake. Of course you can't taste anything, Mauricia. It's Mauricia-flavored ice cream. It's the same taste you always taste when you're not tasting anything at all. The next day, Miss Jules brought in Joe-flavored ice cream. Mauricia liked it. So did everybody else. Joe thought it had no taste. Everybody liked Mauricia. Mauricia only liked Joe. The next day, Miss Jules brought in Ron-flavored ice cream. Ron thought it had no taste, but everybody else loved it. Everybody liked Mauricia. Mauricia only liked Joe and Ron. By the end of the month, Miss Jules had brought in 27 new flavors of ice cream, one for each member of the class. Everybody liked Mauricia, and Mauricia liked everybody. They all tasted so good. All except Kathy, that is. Kathy-flavored ice cream tasted a little bit like old bologna. Everyone still agreed that Mauricia-flavored ice cream was the best, except Mauricia. She liked Todd ice cream the best. But this turned out to be a problem. Every once in a while, Mauricia would try and take a bite out of Todd's arm in order to get that very special flavor. Chapter 10. Paul. Paul had the best seat in Miss Jules' class. He sat in the back of the room. It was a seat that was furthest away from Miss Jules. Miss Jules was teaching the class about fractions. She drew a picture of a pie on the blackboard. She cut the pie into eight pieces. She explained that each piece was one-eighth of the pie. Paul never paid attention. He didn't see the picture of the pie. He didn't see anything. Actually, he did see one thing. Actually, he saw two things. He saw Leslie's two pigtails. Leslie sat in front of Paul. She had two long brown pigtails that reached all the way down to her waist. Paul saw those pigtails and a terrible urge came over him. He wanted to pull a pigtail. He wanted to wrap his fists around it, fill the hair between his fingers and just yank. He thought it would also be fun to tie the pigtails together. Or better yet, 
tie them to her chair. But most of all, he just wanted to pull one. Slowly, he reached for the one on the right. No, what am I doing, he thought. I'll only get in trouble. Paul had it made. He sat in the back of the room. He paid no attention to anyone, and no one paid any attention to him. But if he pulled a pigtail, it would all be over. Leslie would tell on him, and he'd become the center of attention. He sighed and slowly withdrew his arm. But Paul couldn't ignore those pigtails. There they were, dangling right in front of him, just begging to be pulled. He could close his eyes, but he couldn't make the pigtails disappear. He could still smell them and hear them. He could almost taste them. Maybe maybe just a little tug, he thought. No, none, none, no. There they hung, easily within his reach. Well, let him just hang there, thought Paul. It will be foolish to pull one, no matter how tempting they were. None of the other children in class pulled pigtails. Why should he? Of course, none of the other children sat behind Leslie either. It was just a simple matter of being able to think clearly. That was all. Paul thought it over and decided not to pull one. It was as simple as that. Suddenly, his arm shot forward. He grabbed Leslie's right pigtail and yanked. Yeah! screamed Leslie. Everybody looked at her. Paul pulled my pigtail, she said. They all looked at Paul. I, I, I couldn't help it, said Paul. You better learn to help it, said Miss Jules. She wrote Paul's name on the blackboard under the word discipline. Tell Leslie you're sorry. I'm sorry, Leslie, said Paul. Hmm, said Leslie. Paul felt horrible. Never again will he pull another pigtail. Except there was one problem. He still wasn't satisfied. He had pulled the right one, but that wasn't enough. He, wa he, wa he wanted to pull the left one, too. It was as if he heard a little voice come from the pigtail saying, Pull me, Paul. Pull me. I can't, Paul answered. My name's already on the blackboard under the word discipline. Big deal, said the pigtail. Pull me. No way, said Paul. Never again. Oh, come on, Paul. Just a little tug, urged the pigtail. What harm could it do? Lots of harm, said Paul. Leslie will scream and I'll get in trouble again. Boy, that's not fair, whined the pigtail. You pulled the right one. Now it's my turn. I know, but I can't, said Paul. Sure you can, said the pigtail. Just grab me and yank. No, it's not right. Sure it is, Paul, said the pigtail. Pigtails are meant to be pulled. That's what we're here for. Told out to Leslie, said Paul. Leslie won't mind, said the pigtail. I promise. I bet, said Paul, just like she didn't mind the last time. You just didn't pull hard enough, said the pigtail. Leslie likes this pulled real hard. Really? asked Paul. Cross my heart, said the pigtail. The harder, the better. Okay, said Paul. But if you're lying, I promise, said the pigtail. Paul grabbed the left pigtail. It felt good in his hand. He pulled as hard as he could. Yeah! screamed Leslie. Miss Jules asked, Paul, did you pull Leslie's pigtail again? No, said Paul. 
I pulled the other one. All the children laughed. Are you trying to be funny? asked Miss Jules. No, said Paul. I was trying to be fair. I, I couldn't pull one and not the other. The children laughed again. Pigtails are meant to be pulled, Paul concluded. Miss Jules put a check next to Paul's name on the blackboard under the word discipline. But at last, Paul was satisfied. True, his name was on the blackboard with a check next to it, but that really didn't matter. All he had to do was stay out of trouble the rest of the day, and his name would be erased. It's easy to stay out of trouble when you have the best seat in the class. In fact, Paul could do this every day. He could pull with Leslie's pigtails twice and then stay out of trouble for the rest of the day. There was nothing Leslie could do about it. Suddenly, out of nowhere, Leslie screamed, Yeah! Miss Jewel circled Paul's name and sent him home early on the kindergarten bus. No one would believe he hadn't pulled Leslie's pigtail again. 916-633-1537. Wretched and Ratchet at gmail.com. Ratchet Book Club on Twitter. Ratchet Book Club on Facebook. You can leave a review on Spotify. It takes like 13 seconds. You can also leave a review on uh, Podchaser. Copy and paste that into Apple Podcasts. And then copy and paste that into the Good Pods app. You can donate to the show at patreon.com slash single simulcast. One dollar will get you a ton of content. Uh, you can also donate to the show at buymeacoffee.com slash sscast or on the Good Pods app. You can leave a tip in the tip jar. Thank you so much for listening. I greatly appreciate it. Y'all be good. I'm going to holler at you later. Peace. Outro to Ratchet Book Club is by That Kid Garan and it's called Goodbyes. You can email him at tkgbeats94 at gmail.com for more information on how to lease this beat. This is Single Simulcast. <laughs>